look out, something is going to get you tonight. Let's talk about the thing that's going to get you tonight. Welcome to the Happy Harvest Car Show. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Brian. And this is the Happy Harvest Horror Show. And we're back with a jumbo-sized scream-filled episode. And we're joined by returning guest, Aaron. You were here for our Batman, spooky Batman episode. And now you're back to talk some some scream. How are you doing? I'm good, guys. How are you? Doing Doing great. Doing great. Especially since this new scream came out. I know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Doing, mm-hmm. doing fabulous as a as a horror fan and child of the 90s doing fabulous things <laughs> for real both things are points. great we eaten good because <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into it later but when i sat down in the new scream and they were doing a recap of one through four i was sitting there like damn didn't realize how much I needed this. I'm like, right? Yeah, that's yeah, very much how I felt watching it too. It's like my soul needed it, like, right? Like really badly. Um, but yeah, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we do, though, Brian, how spooky was your week? Oh, starting us off, uh, it was pretty. Yeah, you know, it was pretty spooky. I mean, largely because I, you know, rewatched the screen movies and saw the new one. So fuck yeah, it was great stuff. Also, what else? I finished uh, season one of Yellow Jackets. The pr- Same the here. Finale. Same um, here. What a goddamn show. Everybody get on this show. I've um, never seen it. It's oh, on, it's, it's so good. It's, it's on so Showtime, good. which is that elusive streaming service. You know, yes. you're like, what's on Showtime? Well, this this is one thing. Yeah. Uh, also, if you want to do the Scream Marathon after, you know, you listen to this episode, Scream 4 is also on Showtime. The only place I could I could get Scream for <laughs> <laughs> added bonus, you know. Uh, so I said, get that jackets. free trial and seriously get on Yellow Jackets because this show is. You go for the Yellow Jackets, you stay for the Scream Four. <laughs> Amen. You said it you exactly. Said it, <laughs> Yellow Jackets is fabulous. Not to you know co-op your Spooky Week because that was also part of my Spooky Week, and it's so good. And I actually took a break in watching all the screams to watch the finale of Yellow Jackets. Like that was Gotta. right in the middle. And it's so well done. Star-studded cast. Christina Ricci, I'm obsessed with in, oh, in this show. It's just she's great incredible. to see her again, you know, in like this yeah. kind of... And she's, a really zany role. Um, yeah, she's really wild. Cool. I love her so much. Also, Yellow Jackets, I 100% need to have a Doom coming party now. Amen. Like, yes. All I could think that entire episode, and I don't, I don't want to spoil any Yellow Jackets for anyone, but all I could think that entire episode is like this would be the most amazing party like you have to wear formal dresses and then the rest of your like accessories have to be made from like the woods and then like like, you just like party in the woods and maybe psychedelic and drugs are involved so like i don't know (laughs) it's a hell of a time and and uh yeah i won't spoil it but stuff happens when you do that Uh. (laughs) happens we we can guarantee that that's stuff guarantee that but uh yeah yellow jackets huge fan um so that was fun and i also uh, i've been making my way through this folk horror box set that i got from severin um called all the haunts be ours and it's included in it is the this new documentary 
what is it? Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched is what it's called. It's a three hour documentary about the history of folk horror, but it feels like it's not nowhere near enough. Like at the end of it, you're like, I could keep going to keep like, keep shoveling me all this great content. I'm going to now my homework list is super long. And so that was yeah, really fun. It's on shutter right now. We like, had like the, the exact same spooky week, I think. Cause that was also <laughs> what I was going to say <laughs> was that documentary is amazing. It's so good. So it's a great good. Timer. And um, I remember like one, I didn't realize it was three hours until like I got to that point that I was like, oh, I've been watching this for like a long time. But also the beginning of it, I remember watching the beginning and I, at first I was a little like, I loved it. I still like loved what was going on, but I was a little like weary because I was like, are they just doing like the history of British folk horror? Like yeah. it felt so British heavy in the beginning and it is such a long documentary, but I do want to say in case anyone else gets that feeling at the beginning, they do not. They cover like so many different approaches to folk horror mm-hmm. from all over the world, but it encompasses a lot in terms of folk horror. And I also like that they they approach it. I, I can't remember who said it, but someone in the documentary at, kind of towards the end talked about folk horror, not necessarily as a genre, mm-hmm. but I think he said, um, what was it? It wasn't like a genre. It was more like, a medium or something like that like it, you can't like full core is so complex and like multifaceted that it's more of like a lens yeah than it is a genre and i was like yes I and there's so that. many ways into it too which i didn't like really think or consider going in but they were like they were they were tying seeds into full core to things like texas chainsaw massacre and like candy sure, man and yeah. i'm like i'd never like really considered either of those as full core but they definitely are using the same tool set um but yeah, so great documentary. It was great now that I, you know, have this box set because like a lot of those films they mentioned are in this and I'm like, oh, cool. I just got it all. Oh, right wow. I'm gonna make my way Nice. Through. Yeah. Cause that was the, the thing too. Like from the very beginning, I was like, I need to just write these down. Cause it was like every, they just listed so many weird folk horror films from like the last century that like so mm-hmm. many of them I'd never even heard of. Just so many new movies. like added to my like to see list now yeah, that I'm absolutely. really excited to dive into. And the good news is you don't have to be like me and buy the box set because Shudder also has you covered and they added like dozens of full core. They have like a whole collection now that they've added with the documentary. So um, smart, smart, which yeah. I thought was really great. Um, but also maybe like, man, I just bought it for all these movies and now they're all on Shudder. <laughs> but they could also that's the the thing with streaming services they can also be taken off of yeah they probably will at some point yeah, yeah. Yep. and also i love me a box set i uh, me too all hail love physical them. media you know yeah you got the space <laughs> for it yeah <laughs> I mean, for it. often don't in new york but <laughs> aaron how spooky was your week we're off here talking about our like identical mirroring <laughs> spooky. did you also <laughs> so funny story (laughs) no um i like both of you uh spent a lot of time digesting uh scream uh the series again and uh all four movies and then i've also been reading i've been finishing up the brian i don't know if you're familiar with the immortal hulk run hell yeah oh yeah which is a very uh it's a body horror take on the hulk which is awesome. And like very, makes so much sense. You know, yep, like, it's very John Carpentery thing, body horror grossness. And I love it. It's great. 
big fan <laughs> huge fan <laughs> i haven't huge finished fan. it yet but i i have read like the first volume and mean to finish it was really cool real good if you're into body horror and giant green monsters that can't die <laughs> I, I recommend it there's I really only one, on one place to go <laughs> one place to go <laughs> call up bruce banner he's there he's your guy but yeah that's uh that's what i've been doing um i've also been uh i've been doing this thing on facebook where i've been like looking at the harry potter movies through a critical eye which is something i've never done <laughs> I've before been following that yeah <laughs> That's super that's fun. Kinda, that's kind of spooky. Like, it's got witches and shit in it. So, yeah, uh, that's exhausting, watching all of those movies. I think I watched two a night for, like, a week, and it's uh, it's exhausting. And the only one I really enjoyed <laughs> was... Movies. Oh, they're lot. long. Uh, six, for the, for the record, six is the best movie. Hot take. Really? <laughs> I mean, I'm not plugged Hot in. I'm not plugged in, so... That uh, maybe that is a hot take. I just I was. It's a hot take that's shared by a guy at my work. It's weird that I've heard now this take twice, and so now I gotta rewatch this movie because I'm like, what rewatch it. It's a, I miss. It's great. All right, all right. I'm. A, I love three. I love three. I think three is okay. Favorite. I see a lot of people like three, and I I I see it. I don't really get it, but I see it. <laughs> <laughs> it's when they take that 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 color palette and just make it cooler you know and then it's yeah like, but the, yeah i get know? it but that the, there's a i mean it's very it's it's atmospheric but there's a lot of that that reminds me of six too there's a lot of atmosphere sure. in six and there's a lot yeah. of color saturation in six that i enjoy well right on, right on. i've not watched the harry potter movies in probably a decade <laughs> It has been a very long time since there I was a on HBO movie. Max. There's a 20th. We'll get into screaming in a second. We're on this, <laughs> <laughs> but there's a 20th anniversary like documentary that Walls and I watched, and it's really good. Um, like I've kinda, heard like, about this. I've heard yeah. good things about it, and that's very emotional. It is. And I saw some like screen grabs from it that I that I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's brilliant marketing from w- Warner Brothers, like. But you know why you like this. I know we're mm-hmm. like, we're attempting these Fantastic Beast movies, but like, you remember, you liked this at one point. Um, <laughs> remember? And it worked on me because I'm like, you yeah, it did. <laughs> uh, 10 out of 10, everybody. Great spooky yeah. weeks. Very spooky um, weeks. I feel like, I also, I feel like previous spooky weeks have been a little lackluster, but jam-packed this past week jam-packed spooky week (laughs) yeah i'm ready for the harvest season again let's bring it on you know yeah let's do it we're only a couple Um, months away just a couple (laughs) 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 let's let's give a shout out to our friends okay okay i got pulled up you always do always do because i love them all right we got 20 of them 20 beautiful coven members we got ariella aaron aaron you're right here i am thank you very much appreciate there, you Holly, there he is love, love Jenny, to see it julia alicia nina karen kelsey connor jody wendy morgan sarah eric michelle Mackey, jennifer and sarah thank you all so much really do appreciate all your support especially during these cold dreary months um as we got uh you know we're just a couple months away, like I mentioned, from the Halloween season. So hang in there. And uh, all members that are part of our Coven of Supporters are also members of our book club. 
And this month, we're reading a pretty spooky book called The Last House on Needless Street. And joining this coven of supporters and supporting us at any level gets you access to this book club. Yeah, that's that's what we got going on. And we got a fun episodes coming up. Stay tuned. It's pretty fun. It's pretty fun time. It's pretty chill. If you want to do some spooky reading with us, head over to anchor.fm slash HHHS slash support. And support us at any level. And then just shoot us an email at happyharvesthorrorshow at gmail.com. And be like, hey, I want to be part of the book club. And we'll be like, hey, cool. And uh, yeah. <laughs> and then and then you'll be part of the book club. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're in for life, you know? Yeah. That's ex- I'm about to tell you that's exactly how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> you don't turn yeah, your back on book club, you know? <laughs> Uh, no, but I'm really excited for this book this month. I've been li- listening to the Audible uh, audiobook for this one. A lot of different voices, a lot of different characters. It's pretty fun. Pretty fun. Um, it's getting spooky. Starting off a little fantasy, but it's getting scary. So, um, so yeah, get on it. Join us for that. And yeah, should we take a quick break and then come back and just just dive in to all there is to dive into with the entirety of the Scream franchise. <laughs> rang, here we go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we have returned. We're talking Scream. What's your favorite scary movie? Is a question Great. prompt. Great, <laughs> 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 I love yep. it. Love it. <laughs> uh, we're gonna go through the first four Scream movies. You know, we're gonna we're gonna spoil the hell out of them. If you haven't ever seen Scream, this is this is the first part of the podcast that is for you. And saying, go see Scream. If you do want to know where all of them are at. At this moment, uh, January 16th, this the year of our Lord, 2022. Mm-hmm. First two are on Netflix. Yep. The third is on Stars. Correct. Um, Where it belongs. <laughs> <laughs> the elusive and, stars. <laughs> and the fourth is currently on Showtime. Right. So you do have to bounce around to different streaming services because of the mess we as humans have got ourselves into <laughs> with our with streaming, streaming wars, yeah. services yeah but that's where they are right now um and yeah and scream one and two much... are on peacock correct oh yeah peacock, peacock peacock i'm sorry sorry scream one and two are on peacock you are correct yeah so check those out if you haven't uh Please. definitely worth it but yeah we're gonna we're just gonna go for it and we're we're definitely gonna have spoilers so that that was your warning you got it you got the there warning go. <laughs> all right so from here on out we're going to talk about scream which was written by kevin williamson and did you know it was based on a real serial killer i didn't Some real bummer news i knew that this. is i i found this out recently within like the last couple years i found this out that it was uh loosely based on the gainesville ripper yes 
we don't need to like get into him, but we have Big to bummer. <laughs> Super Big. bummer. It's a bummer. Like your favorite, you know, horror franchise. It's like, yeah, it really happened. You're like, fuck, man, that's not less. <laughs> <laughs> fuck, fuck. <laughs> um, Gainesville, Florida, on a college town, killed uh, a number of people, um, which is awful. Uh, Guys, don't kill people. Just uh, don't do it. Just knock it don't. off. Stop it. I know it's a hot take, but <laughs> I'm willing to put that out there. Wouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> it's also I, I think just broadly looking at scream i think what's really cool about this franchise it's the one like big mega horror franchise that you never know who the killer is going in and that's which makes it so fun sure um, always- it is a a horror a slasher franchise that doesn't really focus on its slasher yeah absolutely yeah, totally totally yeah and that in itself adds this whole t- new layer to the way that they're able to do sequels and like, you know, it's a completely different approach to really like the sequel and the reboot right? because of that very fact that Ghostface can be anyone, you know? And it's always someone, you know, which is mm. even spookier. Great tagline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great tagline. It's so good. Yeah. I just, I hadn't really even considered that before going in like by name we know every other big horror icon a uh, titan you know like we know michael myers we know freddy krueger we know jason Voorhees, we know you know like we don't have many anonymous like titans because it could be anybody scream scream one 1996 baby Woo! what a time what a uh, time. not a great time for horror at the time nope <laughs> Many consider this this film revitalized the horror genre, uh, and which fascinatingly, because it released December twentieth, it was a right. holiday season release. It was also produced by the Weinstein's. They did it, um, but they uh, they made the gamble that they wanted to release it in the holiday season because it was a horror movie, and they thought a lot of adults and teenagers that love horror they'll have nothing else to watch because it's just all kids movies and family movies. Released it over Christmas break. Hmm. Uh, and at first they thought the gamble failed because in the first week it only made $6 million, but um, the box office never dropped off. In fact, the next week it went up, went up, yes. mouth were like, which does not happen. Not anymore. I think I, not anymore. I think, I mean, it's very rare when that happens. Usually a movie obviously will start up and then it will the next week and it will go down. Yeah. I think Titanic is famous for staying consistent, making the mm-hmm. same amount of money week after week after week after week. Yeah, it, it, it rarely happens. And so this was a sleeper word of mouth hit. It, it ended up total making, uh, went on to make $100 million total worldwide gross, which held the title for a number of years as the highest grossing slasher film ever made until a few years ago, Halloween 2018 took that title. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Myers coming in hot. Um, <laughs> but uh, Scream 1. What do, you guys, do you guys remember where you were? Or how did you see Scream 1? Yeah, I was a child. <laughs> 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 I was an eight or nine-year-old child in my living room. <laughs> so I saw Scream 1. My dad wanted to watch it. Yeah, I remember seeing it very young. Not in theaters, but it would have been right after it came out. And I also remember having a conversation with my aunt that like and telling her that I had watched Scream and her being very mad at my dad about it. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I don't know. Like, but she was like, You shouldn't be watching that movie. And I was like, it's fine. I don't know. My my dad was always very like 
I, I always just liked spooky things. And he always liked that I liked spooky things because, like, it was, like, me being, like, a tough, you know, I was, oh, like, a sure. tough girl. Yeah. And so, like, he he loved that. He thought that was, like, so cool that his, like, little, his little girl was, like, so tough. And so it became this, like, he would, like, give me, like, praise for watching horror movies and stuff. And now I'm here. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Scream... Scream was like um was definitely just like uh a very establishing horror film for me at a formative, very very maybe. young age. Yeah, formative. That is the word I was looking for. Thank you. It was formative. How about you guys? Where were you when you first saw it? I honestly don't remember my first viewing it. I remember as a kid going as Ghostface for Halloween before I remember seeing Scream. I this like as a kid, <laughs> no a idea what I was doing. I had no <laughs> idea that I was dressed up as like a fucking slap, you know, like I just at the Halloween store, I'm like, oh, black robes and a really cool mask. Like, yeah, it sounds good to me. Um <laughs> I had no idea what I was, you know, but uh uh so much later I saw the movies. Um yeah, so that's I, I actually think, great too, yeah. because in the first one, when they're looking when you know the mask is new, it's the first step, the first uh movie, like when the cops are trying to figure out who it is there's that one line where they're like you can find masks like this in every five and dime mm-hmm. in you know however many miles or whatever and so i like that because it does establish that the ghost face costume was just like a costume just a costume Be- that it was just a costume before billy and stew were like these look cool yeah. and there's two of them let's rock <laughs> let's do this <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's still it's made by Fun World, right? That's the uh, <laughs> Fun World. That's Fun World, uh, Fun which World makes it makes it actually like kind of a, a rights nightmare when yes, if any property wants to use the IP of Scream. Scream and Sidney Prescott and all its characters are separate from the Ghostface mask, which are owned by Fun World and like the um, that company. Mm. So it's just kind of wild. Like you think they're like completely synonymous, part of the same thing, but became a lot of issues. Primarily in the game, I know you play too, Aaron, Dead by Daylight. Mm-hmm. Both faces in that got a lot of variations. It's great. No Sydney Prescott because that's a different thing. But anyway, I digress. We want her. Of course we, we want her. Sydney Prescott, <laughs> all time. Probably not going to happen. If it would, if it would have happened now for the, yep. <laughs> the new one. But, 100%. Aaron, um, do you know where you were the first time you saw it? Uh, yeah, I do. And I've mentioned this on uh, there. I think during one of our book clubs before, but this, this, this really is my horror culture love origin story. I saw Scream at a, I was being babysat because I was, I was young. I was young when the movie came out. I obviously didn't see it in theater, but I saw it right when it came out on, it was on VHS and it was really just a, I did not like horror movies before then i wanted nothing to do with horror movies before then and i was i came from a house where i was permitted to kind of watch whatever i wanted i wasn't i didn't come from a household where it was like no you can't watch this or you know i I was i was really allowed to make my own decisions and i had no interest in horror whatsoever and the only reason i watched this movie is because i didn't want to seem lame to my friend <laughs> who wanted to watch the movie. Peer pressure. So, yeah, <laughs> peer pressure. I'm far too sensitive. Watched it. Right, and... Think of in Scream 1 with uh, 
Stu. Um, Stu, yeah, in Scream 1 where he's like, <laughs> he's, like at the end where he's like, peer pressure. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I I watched it and it, I don't know, it was just a moment of clarity for me. Mm-hmm. And it, it all snapped into focus and in perspective and I was I was done after that. I love that. Yeah, there it is. Revising my answer, like so much of my horror upcoming, it's all been like based on like when I got my TV in high school about myself and I would just watch whatever was on the sci-fi channel or late night TNT or whatever. And so I, I think with Scream, Scream 2 was the first one I actually saw because I remember Ooh. doing Pickett Smith that opening very viscerally as a young, like being very disturbed. And even seeing that as an adult, rewatching this like this last yeah, week, it's a tough. very disturbing scene. Um, mm-hmm. Um, totally. so, yeah, I think I remember that more originally and I think maybe later I was like, I'm gonna watch all the screen movies. And I realized, oh my God, this, these movies are fucking banging. These are awesome. Anyway, those are our origin stories. Yeah. yeah. Scream origin. I think obviously just been thinking a lot um, this week about this, the Scream franchise and what those films just like mean to me personally. And specifically the first one, like the first one is just it's the fucking first one and it's so funny because obviously like at the time being just like a kid watching it it's like it's I didn't have the vocabulary or the understanding to really like critically understand how good of a film it was like I didn't know the words postmodern and meta and like you know like um self-awareness and you know all the things that we would now use to describe the screen but like it's so funny because I I feel like the 90s and especially like being a 90s kid now in retrospect were really shaped by a like postmodern knowledge even though we didn't know those words you know yeah. what i mean like um totally. this is kind of a weird connection but did you did you guys ever uh get into the book um the stinky cheese man and other fairly stupid yep. tales yeah F- favorite book like fucking favorite book and i saw someone like write a little thing about it not too long ago about how it's just it's just postmodernism like it's just a brilliant postmodern take on fairy tales and like as a child I just attached to that. And similarly with, yeah, like I had a similar experience with Scream. Like I wasn't like against horror, but like I liked spooky things. I liked ghost stories and stuff, but Scream was definitely the first slasher flick that ever like got me excited like that. 100%. And I point largely to that, like postmodernism. Like we were just like there for it. Like we Mm. were even though we were, I think, too young to fully grasp it, we still got how smart that movie was in yeah. some way, you know? What a beautiful thing to have in that formative, like, you know, years yeah. watching this stuff that we're like, not only are we appreciating things, we're also considering its form in a lot of ways, but that yeah. even really thinking yeah. about it, you know? Because it is, a, it, is a, it is an epiphany, even if you, as a child, don't know what that is. Like, it, I, I can completely describe seeing that movie and having an epiphany of just like oh this is what like i Mm -hmm. get it like i get it even being that young i got it yeah and same 
a lot of credit maybe to that goes with its tone, uh, which is very specific and fleeting, I think. And a miracle that we have five movies and they all feel like it, you know? And a a wire act. I I can't believe it because there is, there's so many ways this could go off. And because it's, I think when I was doing the research for this, I saw that there were a number of directors that they had approached for Williams and script for this first movie, uh, including people like um, like Danny Boyle, even and yep. uh, Ro- uh, Robert Rodriguez, and, and other people, and and a lot of these directors came back after reading the script and were like, "Yeah, it's comedy, right?" And they were like, "No, it's not. It's <laughs> no. <laughs> it's it is a horror movie with humor, which is a very different thing. You know what I mean? That like this movie, um, there's there's laugh out loud, hilarious moments in this movie, but it, it never leaves the realm of no, we're trying to scare you, you know? Um, yeah. I saw, I think it was, I don't know. I was watching one of the movies like on Hulu or something. And for genres listed, it said comedy and then horror. And it like made me mad. I was like, yeah, why is comedy yeah. listed first? Yeah. And why is it even really listed at all? Like right. that's right. not the right way to describe what this film is. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's so many ways that this could go into satire. This could, I mean, even though it is doing satire, it could go into spoof. It could go into. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, actually, I was um, talking to one of my roommates and I was like talking about the new Scream. And then I was like, I'm going to watch, rewatch all the Scream movies. And he had never seen them. He asked if it was like satire or, or horror. And I was like, bull? Like, it's definitely horror. But they're, you know, it's so self-aware that it is making fun of horror movies. And that's why it's so good, you know. But it's still objectively scary. It's still really, like, yeah, like gut-wrenching horror. And it's like, how do you do both of those things so well, you know? I wonder if it's like... Because I even think like making fun is even giving it too much. I think it's maybe just endearingly like acknowledging it while doing it, you know, that like... Oh man. So anyway, I think a lot, but a lot of that heavy lifting though, a lot of that, the reason why the movie, I mean, obviously I love the movie all the way through, but a big chunk of the reason why that movie never crosses over into like satire or cheese or anything like that is that cold open. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that cold open brutal. is so violent. It's so scary and it's so brutal that you just, that's always in the back of your head when you're watching the rest of the movie. And so it, it plants, it plants the rest of the movie into the real world by how real that opening scene is. Yeah. So it also totally. subverts and, and- too, which is a huge, you know, staple to the scream is how many subverting expectations it does while right. acknowledging the, the the rules and then breaking them you know mm-hmm. like introducing in the beginning drew barrymore huge star we're gonna annihilate her in the opening scene she's out yeah. you know she was like, the she was the first person attached to the movie and that got wes onto the movie wes signed on to the movie because she wanted to do the movie i've seen drew barrymore in interviews say that she had always wanted to play Casey. I don't think that was the case. I think when she signed on, they wanted her to be Sydney. Uh, and then the problem was, was there was a scheduling problem and she was going to have to drop out of the movie altogether. And then basically said, well, instead of doing that, I'll play this Casey part. And then that's how we got 
and it were, I mean, obviously it was a, it was kind of a, these movies, if you know anything about them are all plagued with production problems, all of them. Um, I don't know about this, this recent one because I stayed away from everything <laughs> about the most recent one, but screens one through four were all plagued with production problems. And that was a big one because they all of a sudden lost the, their star. Um, but you know, if that doesn't happen, then we don't get, we don't get the search for Sydney and we don't get Nev Campbell in that role. So it all also, worked out. The cold, the cold open of the first one is just unbelievable. Yes. Like it's so, it's a, like, it's a short film. It's a film in itself. It is. It is. I like, I like forgot how good it was. Cause I haven't watched the first one for quite a while. And I was, it's just like, yeah, there are so many layers to it. And also this is obviously the first time I'm noticing this because I think it's the first time I've ever watched all the screams straight through or multiple straight through. Like I've always kind of watched them sporadically, but the cold open, how they always do the knife moment in the kitchen when she's on the phone, mm -hmm. they did it in every single movie. I was like, this is so good. Yep, like such good. a smart little moment of like the girl on the phone, like pulling out the knife and then letting it drop back in. I was like, Oh, Oh, I love it so much. But yeah, that original one, Honestly, like, yeah, all the way through incredible, the whole, the whole story it tells, but like that last moment of her hanging from the tree is right. probably one of the most terrifying, just like moments in the entire, in the entire franchise. Like, and what makes, what makes Jesus. it horrible is that we see it with her parents. Yes. Like, her parents yeah. are pulling up as she's being like, cause obviously in all these slasher movies, nobody fucking sees the parents at parents are gone. Teenagers yeah, are getting they're... whacked left and right. And the parents <laughs> are just nowhere to be seen. Um, and in this opening True. scene, we, we, we see, obviously we know what's happening to Casey and her parents are playing catch up. But that final scene, we experience that together. We mm -hmm. see that with them. And it's, uh, yeah, it's horrifying. And, you know, she's hanging from the tree and she's been disemboweled and there's steam coming off of her. It's, it's horrifying, man. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a rough one. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's rough. Yeah. <laughs> Which adds to that, you know, that tightrope, you know, that like, we're talking about tropes, we're making fun. And then we're going to give you something like horrible, like that, like mm -hmm. you haven't seen yet in horror movies that makes right. it like. Oh man, it's earning and its what's own like, place. What's, what's even more horrifying is that, and I will get to this when when we move to the kind of end of this movie. But I mean, obviously Drew Barrymore doesn't look it, but she's playing like a sixteen year old girl. Like she's literally playing a child, and what mm -hmm. happens to her is horrifying. And uh, there's always like people in the screen community have these like uh, these debates on who who killed who essentially you know who was in the mask yeah. you know and i i i would like to believe that both billy and Stu were there that night um they both uh helped um it makes sense uh with the moving of you know steve getting steve in position while the other one is menacing casey mm -hmm. uh, yeah and uh you know just the 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 deadly game we ask you a question if you get it right you die if you get it wrong you die it turns so quickly in that scene where she's kind of, you know, she's talking to the phone with the stranger and she's kind of flirty with him. And 
it's kind of like a little back and forth cat and mouse kind of thing. And then it just, yeah, it turns so quickly. One minute she's popping popcorn and the next minute she's, you know, hiding behind her TV, watching her boyfriend get disemboweled. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's with one line too. It's why do you want to know? And the line is like, cause I want to know what I'm looking at. Yes. And, that and like, also, Oh uh, shit. <laughs> Stakes have gone up, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Roger Jackson was just a placeholder voice. They were going to use somebody else for that kind of ghost face voice. And they ended up liking him so much that they kept him around. Thank God. Uh, I can't imagine the ghost face voice without anyone else. And uh, according to, I've read that uh, during that scene, Casey or Drew Barrymore never met roger jackson didn't see him only heard him during that whole scene she never met him she so i thought i i thought that that was like a little interesting kind of little tidbit just yeah it was like the first time she heard it was on set yeah yep (laughs) what fun (laughs) fact too roger l jackson also voiced mojo jojo from powerpuff (laughs) girls (laughs) love that (laughs) love it what a range um Uh, yeah, we got five screen movies. Yeah, to yeah. So let's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's kind of what anything else we want to talk about from one. So we can uh, one. Uh, I mean, are Stu and Billy in love? You know, because okay. God, I so, hope so. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> there, this is this is this has split. <laughs> this has split the screen community in twain because this is this is one of the the big questions: Are Billy and Stu? involved with each other i have read the original scary movie script mm-hmm. uh there is a scene there is a scene in the script where it's billy and it's Stu, and they're uh they're outside of the school and they're talking and it's right after basically Stu invites tatum and uh sydney to his house basically saying hey there's a party we'll be safe safety in numbers you know there's a scene right after that where Billy and Stu are talking and Billy basically goes like, Hey, did you invite her or did you invite them? And he goes, yeah. And Billy in the script, like puts his hand on Stu's cheek. And uh, that's where the far too sensitive line comes from. They pull that because basically Billy calls Stu sensitive and puts his hand, puts his hand on his cheek and then they base then they go off that scene apparently was filmed but it was too much of a oh it's these two because it's too no. much of a sinister scene gotcha yeah yeah uh i so, feel like that would give it away i feel like that would yes, totally give it, it, away. it totally would have given it away um i think that it's more of a i don't necessarily think that billy is interested in Stu. I think Stu is a little infatuated with Billy. Yeah, 100%. And this is, I guess, this is the the kind of unfortunate side of, but obviously this movie happened before Columbine, but it's kind of the, like, one of them, uh, I I don't know the two dudes' names who did Columbine. Um, Mm -hmm. One of them's Dylan, I think. Um, But one of them was the kind of the one who had the axe to grind and the other one was just kind of like, Hey, he's my buddy. So I'm just mm-hmm. going to, he's the alpha. So I'm just going to go along with him. It, it, I pressure. feel like, it's, yeah. I mean, I feel like it's kind mm-hmm. of that relationship. I feel like 
Stu really wants to please Billy for, I don't know what reason that is, but he seems very ready to go with Billy with whatever. It seems like Billy runs that relationship. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 I Um, mean, they both have bisexual energy for sure. Yeah, I think so. And I, I, I do not fault anybody for interpreting that because it's, it's, it's there if you want to see it for sure. And I, I yeah, oh, I, I think I'm going to choose to see it. I'm going to choose to see that because, yeah, I, I we kind of, Brian, we kind of had a little conversation about this, but like my one regret is actually that like Stu, that like Matthew Lillard's character didn't live to be in the other movies. <laughs> That's so funny you bring that up because <laughs> when we get to Scream 3, he was supposed yes, to come back. He was. Was he really? I don't yes, know. He was. About this. He sure was. Okay, we'll I'm get so into excited. that. Yep. So we got excited. a whole other scream to get. Yeah, to. we do. Yep. Our <laughs> scream. We we yeah. have a lot. Uh, we have a lot of scream to get to. Um, uh, yeah. Um, scream one. It's. I mean, it's classic. Y- you could say that it's flawed. You'd be wrong. Uh, <laughs> you would. I agree. <laughs> Full stop. Doesn't matter what genre. Like it's. Yeah. I live yeah. really. I live literally like an hour and a half from where it was filmed sonoma santa, sonoma county yeah that was, mm-hmm. yeah. It was, santa, it was santa rosa right yeah santa rosa's in sonoma county um i've been past the community center in sonoma which is where the high school was in the movie Amazing. yeah I Pretty love cool. that. before we move on to just fun trivia that aaron did bring up that the, the movie was originally called scary movie Scary movie, original title. Nev Campbell loved it. Reason she was joining in, uh, she said. And late in production, Harvey Weinstein changed it to Scream, uh, ba- like based on the popularity of a Michael Jackson song. Yes. Um, and Williamson, Craven, Campbell, like everyone hated it. They're like, hated Scream, it. it was such a the, the, the scary movie is what it's called. It's the whole thing. Later on, they would all admit that it was a positive change. But uh, I don't know. I can't imagine a world with that. Would this was scary movie, and we didn't actually get the spooks yeah, of scary, scary movie? movie. No? Yeah. yeah. What would scary movie have been then? <laughs> would it have happened? I don't know. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. Know. That's so interesting. Okay, okay, guy, keep moving. We got yep, so much yep, to Scream two. Uh, All timer opening scene. Oh my god. So yeah, I will say straight up, like just off the top, I have a lot of issues with Scream two. But uh, the opening is fabulous. Like, the opener is so it's, good. It's so good. Um, horrifying. Jada Pickett Smith coming in. Was she P- Smith coming in hot. or just Jada Pickett? I think yeah. she was Pickett. This would have been 97. So I don't know if her and Will were, were wed yet. 97? Yeah, I think she was Pinkett. Um, coming in hot. Dropping some hot takes about representation in horror movies. Before coming in and being the first to die in the horror movie. <laughs> um, uh, her and her boyfriend. In a really scary mob kind of way. Like the mob isn't the one that did it, but they're hiding within it. Because uh, everyone is at the premiere of Stab. Uh, which is the movie within the movie based on yes. the story of the first movie. The Woodsboro Murders by Gail Weathers. Meta! Meta, yep. meta, meta. We introduce the big, the even more meta. And everyone's dressed up as Ghostface in this opening crowd. Uh, and so a hidden Ghostface in the crowd gets off a couple kills. And no one knows because they're all wearing Ghostface masks. Which at the and they're all like, they're all like in revelry. They're, they're all yeah, oh yelling yeah. and screaming and it's crazy. Wild. 
yeah. and they're all excited I about. I would be, I would be terrified to be in that movie oh, theater. Absolutely. <laughs> they're also all excited about uh, the movie, which is presented in Stabovision. Do you remember this? That like, which I don't know what that means. I mean, they're all wearing <laughs> masks and they're holding green knives and they're looking at the mat. The, the, I'm going, whoa. <laughs> Keep in mind. This is a movie based off real things that happen to real people. And these people are losing their minds over it. Absolutely. It's, a, it's, it's, I, I think there's some commentary there too, about how we just like, I mean, I guess that you can go into what true crime is today. The, the true crime fandom. I like, I feel like this is skipping ahead, but like, I'm just going to do it for the sake of this is where we are in the conversation. Uh-huh. I, like pretty much like one of my only criticisms of the new one is I feel like it it missed the potential with the true crime fandom in the sense mm. that like like true crime content like true crime podcasts like sure. the entire scream franchise is this meta postmodern meditation on content on the things we consume and like true crime podcasts are like the podcast world Mm -hmm. and the fact that that didn't make it into the new scream i was like that felt like a missed yeah it was yeah because because all of the movies starting here yeah with like number two touch on that touch on how we like just like take in true crime content and kind of go nuts with it. And like, and you have Gail Weathers with her true crime books and Mm -hmm. like, and all, and how it becomes this, this frenzy. And it's like, that is a very big portion of, of just content right now um, and, and popular content. And so I did feel like that was kind of missed um, unfortunately, because that, yeah, that has always been, part of what's so smart about these movies is it's not only making you think about how you think about horror movies, but it's also making you think about how you think about, yeah, true crime, like things that actually happen to people. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it happened with the first movie. Didn't know it was based on a real serial killer, you know, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. there I was just, you know, 10 years old, dressed up as Ghostface. you know, like obviously (laughs) I didn't dress up as Ghostface, but like, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah stab we got uh it's also we're talking about meta and calling to mind the rules of, of horror world this is a sequel and it makes a lot of claims about sequels you know while also mm-hmm. subverting and doing the same things i love this one so much um re-watching them in all in order i was surprised it dropped from my number two spot but i had fond memories going into it you know um, <laughs> I think I still think Same. it's like it's wild of a movie. It yep. it is like it ends like Greek tragedy. Like literally, they're <laughs> on stage doing a Greek tragedy. You know, um, which it just bonkers. I think the one half of the killer's motivations is pretty weak, and the other half is Greek tragedy. You know, um, uh, because we find out again, full spoilers, that uh, <laughs> Billy's mother is the killer. Uh, or the mastermind behind this one. And the other one is uh, Timothy Aldifont, which was like, you yeah. could call that <laughs> a mile away that that was going to be the killer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, it, Which makes it really fun that like, no, there's always another one. And this one is like, I don't know, watching this maybe before I knew who 
when I was younger, I didn't have a, like a full appreciation of Laurie Metcalf, like, sorry, forgive me, but uh, you know, like uh, now I do, uh, she was just the one, you know, the, the, the actress from Roseanne, you know, but now she's like Laurie fucking Metcalf, you know? And so friend of the show, Connor rewatched, watched the, all the movies for the first time. And he called it right away. He was like, yeah, it's Laurie Metcalf. Right. And it's like, cause why would she be in this movie? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's Laurie Metcalf, you know, she was just Laurie Metcalf from Roseanne, really. Right. Roseanne, yeah. I uh-huh. like I felt I felt weird about the Laurie Metcalf thing. I love Laurie Metcalf. It, you know, even, you know, grew up on Roseanne too. So like always had love for Laurie Metcalf. And I did in rewatching it kind of because I hadn't seen I don't think I'd seen two since like the nineties, like I had not seen two in a long time. Um, And so it kind of felt like watching it again, obviously like I remembered as I watched it, but like, so I did have moments of like, I'm pretty sure she's the killer. And I, I agree like the tying it into Billy Loomis's mother, like good motivation makes sense, but like something, I don't know, something about the way she played that role didn't sit right with me and it's not that she played really? it badly like it just like that wasn't the character i wanted okay i don't know i don't that's the best way i can explain it like um yeah because i think you know i love her i think she's a very talented actress but it was it was just like i don't know billy's like super manic mother and it felt it felt kind of cartoony in a way mm-hmm. that took me out of it a little bit that's the okay. best way i can describe it I think that's it. Big, she's yeah. big. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I think that's a quality of most scream sequels that I think no one really nails the first one because the first one everyone was such a big personality that you could channel any of that into a killer. Like, is that mm-hmm. like sure. that makes mm-hmm. like yep. Stu didn't change. Stu was just as nuts in the first scene. You know, yeah. he was at the end going, yeah, we got him. You know, like yeah. um, <laughs> I um, took. Oh my god, when I rewatched the first one. The other night, I took so many screenshots of it's... Stu in like the last few scenes that he's alive. Like he has oh so God. many great lines. Like it's all timer. I'm getting woozy over here. Yeah, right. here yeah. And all of that, all of that was all of that is Matthew Lillard. Matthew oh. Lillard. That if the, if you read the original screen script, Stu is really just a sidekick character. There's really nothing to him, and it was really Matthew Lillard that brought something to that character and made that character memorable because I don't know if anybody else could have done that at that time. Yeah, no, he's, uh, yeah, uh, absolutely perfect. Like absolutely perfect. Which is something like I get back to, I think all these other sequels when the, when they do reveal I'm the killer, you know, Mm -hmm. they like the, the character they've been playing disappears and they be kind of can become cartoon villains. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Totally. Totally. Um, That's very, that's very evident in this one. Um, I, Mickey, Mickey's a little, Mickey's a little unhinged, uh, in the, throughout the movie, but he, he becomes like a, they both really become true crazy people when right. the mask comes off. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I get that. It, uh, I think the, I think the, the Mrs. Loomis thing, it's kind of cheap. I get it. Like I get why they yeah. wanted to do that. There was a line that I wish they would have kept in to scream to where, because you don't you think it's weird that Gail would recognize Mrs. Loomis. It, it there is a there is a 
there's a line in the script where she basically says like you interviewed me for your book and it's like gail just didn't like especially and they they, it together right they and they do say that you know she lost a miss loomis lost a lot of weight she had some sort of work done in her face um but it i thought it would have it would have been better if they really would have just been like if they would have kept that line in there just to it was in gail's face the whole time and she just didn't she just didn't see it yeah yeah because yeah it did it just um i'm with you it did kind of feel like a little cheap and a little bit of a stretch at some point, especially because like in the first one, the whole narrative is that she abandoned her son, you know, right. like, and it's like, now she's coming back. Now she's mad. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. Like she abandoned him. That's, that's if you the hadn't narrative. left. If you hadn't left, <laughs> none of this would have happened. Yeah, exactly. So it's just like, yeah. And I guess that too, like it's, it's a small town, like people, would have recognized Mrs. Loomis. Yeah, I don't know. It it just felt, especially coming off of rewatching the first one again, which is right. so flawless. I was just like, eh. But it's a, like, I think it's like it's a it's a uh, uh, it's a it's a Friday the Thirteenth homage. It's sure. it's especially you know she's in she's in a white coat. Mrs. Voorhees was wearing that white uh, sweater. sweater. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's definitely kind of like an inverse of the of the of friday the 13th with the mother mickey yeah mickey is just yeah he's just a kind of forgettable for me um i think mm-hmm. Timothy oliphant is good i i think he's good with what he's given but his second i think he's probably the second killer with kind of the lamest motivation for me yeah yeah, yeah totally. um, his motivation isn't really that great for me i'm just like oh okay you want to blame the movies and be famous like that's all right bro which it's always <laughs> sure, fun re- whatever re-watching these movies knowing who the killer is another joy of these movies because the clues are there you just don't know that like especially especially um going just real quick going back to one Wes yeah. craven really hammered home as far as making it very clear like once you know that these two are the killers it's all over that movie yeah oh yeah yeah, um, yeah. He even made it down as detailed as you could tell who's in the costume by the way they hold their knives. Um, sure. oh, and yeah. so there's the, the detail as far as that. It slumps as the movies go on. But yeah, like there's one scene and it's very subtle in the first one where Sydney's being attacked. It's the first time she's being attacked in her home. She gets headbutted. Ghostface headbutts her. The next day when Tatum... Stu and Sydney are at their locker and they're having this conversation. Matthew literally is subtly checking his forehead in the mirror. Like, That's and it happens it's all so there. quick. Yeah. It's all just, there, like, but it happens so quick. You don't even notice it until you like start digging into your rewatches essentially. Yeah. Not Which, to mention like Skeet Ulrich just screams I am a murderer. <laughs> like he, which just, was like, so smart in the movie because they addressed vibe. The, the, his the, whole vibe is yeah. like I'm the bad guy. You yeah, know? I mean that. That's I mean that made him. He was the first suspect. Like from the get go, even the audience is like, yeah, we know it's you, right? And so at the end, the one thing we're not thinking about is there's two of them. You know, like I think that's yeah, 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 totally um, twist to that. Totally. One. But and this uh, one too, you know, we got an opening scene with uh, 
not an opening scene, but an early scene in the film club where uh, we haven't talked about Randy. I'm going to bring in Randy. Oh, yes. Yes, Randy. we need it. You're right. Yeah. You should. We need to talk and about that, Randy. <laughs> that scene is full of just 90s, 90s glore. Oh, it's yeah. Got, it's got Sarah Michelle Geller in it. It's got Joshua Jackson in it. It's just, it's 90s top down. It really Absolutely. is. It really is. And it's and it's we're talking about movies. This the, the series talking about the rules of the universe while subverting it. We need to, the, the Randy's our guy. He's the one who's telling us all the rules while Correct. it's happening. And a lot of audience members, I think, because I wasn't you know I wasn't uh, on the internet when this was going on, but like we're not thrilled when Randy bit the bu- bullet in this movie. Very upset that Randy died in two. Yes, um, uh, it is a. I think it is a black mark on the. Uh, series as a whole i think they the keep movies, bringing him back in some way but, yes, <laughs> but i think i i truly think that uh randy is randy randy's death profoundly affected me because <laughs> yeah. i was just like this is so not is, fair this is our guy like he cannot go like and it happens during the day like you don't expect, yeah you don't expect it when it happens and that in that sense it's great but i do think that the movies are worse off for it Sure, because we're just we I keep think trying to get back to Randy. Yeah, correct. I think it's a shining moment in the moment because you truly do not expect it happening, but the rest of the movies are worse for that. Uh, yeah. And so I think it doesn't. I don't think the ends justify the means in that sure. in that sense. Um, I just think if if you're going to lose somebody, you could have lost Dewey in the second one. I mean, he was. Ooh, well, he was supposed to die in everyone. I, right? Yes, he was. Everyone. That's there were. There were. I know. I know. I know. It's I, a hot I, take. So I, I'm going to come in and just say I don't think I don't think either of them had the go in that one. I don't think we need to lose Dewey in the second one. I don't think we needed to lose Randy in the second one. I don't. I don't feel like even. I didn't because I do remember feeling like it just didn't seem necessary that. Uh, like Randy's death at all, but I don't yep. think it even needed to be really replaced. I like, I think they could have weaved that together and we could have kept him, you know, it just felt like they just, I don't know. It, it was almost like for the sake of like sentimentality and shock value is why mm-hmm. they took him, which he could have done more. He could have mm-hmm. done more in yes. the franchise. He really could have. Um, speaking uh, like Dewey, like the whole—I mean, that whole sequence in the sound in the media building—is one of I think one of my favorite set pieces in the whole series. Fuck yes, Horrible. yeah, it's really good. It's really it's good. really good. You're just you're slowly like you're slowly following Gail as she moves from rooms into like a kind of like a it's like the Shining kind of you know she's yeah, like moving yeah. like in a soundproof you know. room too. Yes, 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 and she's slowly moving the camera's still just gliding with her as she's silently moving deeper and deeper into this building as she's being stuck. it's such a great set piece and then dewey's stabbing uh, <laughs> moment then, yeah which one out. right it's yeah. every <laughs> yeah dewey bites it in every movie almost he does but it's great you know you first i i do laugh at one point because it is okay so it is supposed to be laurie metcalf stalking them right and in the in the scene where she's done done away with dewey and she sees gail and she's trying to break the glass she throws a chair at it and then picks the chair up and throws it again and then just like body checks the glass it's so funny i laugh every time because it's just like i know it's laurie like 
the character obviously it's not Lori Metcalf in the suit, mm-hmm. but it's like this small, frail woman just trying to <laughs> shoulder her way through this soundproof glass. It's very funny. Yeah. The other reason why I love Ghostface as a killer so much is they're not efficient. They're very bad at their job. I mean, they'll yep. get there. It's sloppy, but it always gets it done. But yep. like they're tripping, they're falling over stuff, they're getting like flower pots to the head. You know, they're like, it's especially yeah, especially like I noticed, I feel like Ghostface gets a lot more graceful throughout, like as yes. we move more streamlined. down. Yeah, streamlined. yeah, streamlined. Yeah. Exactly. The movement is more streamlined, a lot more graceful. The first couple movies, it is, yeah, oh, it's, it's a rough. lot. But you think about it, you think about it, it's just, especially in the first movie, it's just two teenage boys just running around with knives in their hands. It makes sense. Socks on hardwood floor, you know, just (laughs) It makes sense. I also, before I move on to three, I do want to give a shout out on two. Um, The moment in the end where Sid's boyfriend is on the fucking cross like that's yeah. a great visual that is such a great visual oh derek <laughs> i hope uh i can't stand him personally i cannot stand that character at all he's fucking just a, pants. He's ju- like, yeah I, he's just uh he's the worst <laughs> even even when i saw the movie i i was just like this guy's an idiot there's no fucking way he's masterminding go anything. I knew it right away yeah yeah i can't i i do not care for him um but i love yeah that that visual of him like strung being, up yeah strung up on on the cross like yeah that was good that was good um anything else on two uh two moving? i i'm a, I'm a ride or die for dewey i love dewey um i love, love gail i love gail and dewey um yeah and they're they're great in this movie in this movie they're good well, um, mm-hmm. we haven't, re- I mean, we're, we're going to talk more as we go on, but we haven't really singled out Sydney really yet. That's Sydney, true. just That's like all time or final girl. Um, I think, uh, in that she subverts it by being so fucking capable, you know, yes. that like, mm-hmm. and but you see growth, you see growth from one to two. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously she's already had. Okay, you think about one where Sydney is when we drop in on her on one. She's already had a movie happen to her with her, yeah, with mom her mom getting murdered, yeah, being murdered mm-hmm. and going through all that stuff. And so we kind of see the end of that where she's very withdrawn. She just wants to be left alone. To be honest with you, like she she's got a fucking dipshit creepy boyfriend who's always <laughs> hassling her, and she's got cameras <laughs> being shoved in her face and all that shit. She just wants to be left alone. And then we get to screen two. And what does that say about Sydney that now we see her acting on this on on stage? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So and like there screening is... scream calls too, like ghost face yes. calls like at the beginning yes. of like, God, she's got ready to go. She's and got she's already old, like you can she's call her ID and she's not even phased by it. She's just like, bro, you are not the first motherfucker to do this, done this. Yeah, this mm-hmm. this week, please. Right get a life yeah so she's there's there's a lot of maturity that happens in between these two movies and continues to in like a very positive way into three where we find that she is uh she's isolated herself which can you fucking blame her but um, (laughs) i would too uh but has channeled that into something even better she is uh over the phone crisis uh help um 
worker. That is, they walks through people, other women going through crisis. And I'm like, damn, like fucking Sydney Prescott. You she's, know? A, she's a baller. Love we it. Love um, we love her. Scream three. We're here. We're here. We made it. It's the, it's, it's the best <laughs> one. Um, the greatest, the greatest installment in this series. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I was actually like pleasantly surprised. Like there, you I like found yeah. more, I found more things to appreciate. Like I honestly couldn't remember a single thing about Scream Three. I had seen it before, but like I going into it, I was like, I don't remember anything about the plot of this movie at all. Right. And I, from yeah, from this perspective, this version of me watching that movie, they did some kind of smart things with the old Hollywood approach. There's you know, a lot of cool things in three. I I'm. I have been dunking on it and I will continue <laughs> to, but they, uh, <laughs> but there are really smart things happening. I think there are, there are ingredients. Uh, I think the idea behind the original three sounded so much cooler and, and cool, but I think this movie essentially for me is just new nightmare. Uh, just not as good for me. Uh, like Wes Craven's new nightmare. Uh, so those unfamiliar Wes Craven's new nightmare is the, what is it? The sixth, seven, maybe it's the seventh regardless it is a late entry and yep. it like it follows the actress heather langenkamp that played um nancy in the nightmare on elm street movies not nancy it plays her as an actress living in the world where the movies happened and as the movie goes on she the west craven is writing a new one and lines and reality start blurring as this new nightmare is coming into this new uh like her life and she has a son and and by the end, she's fully like all the lot. Her her world has disappeared, and she's trapped again in Nancy, a role she's trying to escape in like this new nightmare. And it's super fucking meta. I think it just nails it. I think it's so good. Um, I think three tries to do a similar thing, and I think a lot of really cool swings. I just think new nightmare is more successful at doing it for me. Is my critique on three overall? Yeah, uh, I don't like this movie. Um, I think rewatching it, uh, it this is obviously the movie that I have watched the least. Um, this is three is I recently rewatched three. It's probably the first time I've seen three in many, many years. Mm-hmm. What's what I was getting at when I said it was kind of predicting or kind of ahead of the curve here is this whole weird, I mean, knowing what we know now about mm-hmm. our wine scene. <laughs> yep. It seems like there was some, there was something going on there where they were, I don't necessarily think that it was trying to blow a whistle, but I think it was just, there's something there. Totally. 100%. There's something, there's something there. And it's also like this weird, like, because obviously it's gotta, it's gotta go through Harvey. And I think Harvey being like, go ahead, run it. Who cares? Yep. And that's gross. Like that yeah, gross. Like totally. that. It's also the one of the Russ Craven movies that Kevin Williamson did not. He did not write work yes. on because famously he and the Weinstein's did not get along. Uh, yes. Which looking back, like, yeah, hell yeah, dude. <laughs> like, but yeah, he I mean, wrote a, he wrote an outline, and then Aaron Kruger came in and wrote, uh, rewrote this movie. Yeah, I and mean, we could go through the movie, but I think what's really interesting is I listened to just today. There's a, a horror queers episode with Kevin Williamson. They did an interview with him 
And um, in it, they talk about all these, it's only like a 20 minute interview, but they go through all these like suspicions and like hot topics throughout the, the production. And they talk about three and they ask him, why is this one not set in Westboro? This one's upset primarily in LA. And that was actually due to Courtney Cox uh, and her scheduling. She's doing a little show called Friends. I don't know if you heard of it. <laughs> nope. Shooting in LA. <laughs> Uh, so to have co- the Courtney Cox angle in it, they set most of this movie in LA and saved Sydney coming back to Westboro for a scream four. And the original cut too, famously we talked about earlier, this movie was heavily edited thanks yes. to Columbine. Yes. They want, they really wanted to reduce the violence in it. They wanted no blood. They, they wanted, wanted no blood and no violence. Movie. Twitch Wes Craven was like, you can't call it Scream. You yeah, he was like, what are we doing, guys? Right, exactly. <laughs> Original drafts of the script, too, also featured three to four killers. It was all the teenagers. Yes. Uh, and the subversion is they were all in on it, and so they faked their own deaths. So no one for- suspected that they were going to come back and as a group of teenagers be the killers at the end. After Columbine, that did not sit well. Uh, yeah, no, no. Yeah, that didn't happen, but... Yeah, yeah I, Columbine. I Columbine say, really affected how, how this movie turned out. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As like it, it affected a lot of things. It yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, shifted. <laughs> yeah, the way we looked at a lot of things. I think I I do like that they chose to I guess go the Hollywood angle with three because obviously of the whole franchise, only movie that's like this. And because, as I said, the entire franchise is this meditation on media, like, I feel like grappling with Hollywood at some point needed to happen because the media is coming out of Hollywood, right? Three could have gone a lot of ways. I liked that concept as like the middle movie, right? Like, let's kind of take this angle in in this realm of meta-horror. tackle Hollywood and all of that. Yeah. And then come back to the original setting. Yeah. I also think it was fun to see the dynamic between the characters in the movie and then their real life counterparts. I loved the, um, the, I can't think of her name, but the actress that plays Gail Weathers. Parker Posey. Yeah, them together was so by fun. far she's the best part of the movie. <laughs> yeah, she's fabulous. Like that, it was so fun. I was like, I love this. Like, I mean, it's I great commentary that. on whose yeah. story is it? You know, at the at exactly, the exactly. So yeah. I I do fully get why they went the Hollywood angle. Like they were able to kind of break that down a little bit. Like, what is it to turn real life people that went through a horrible experience into a movie and you know and to have that dynamic of real person and actor and and it was fun to watch that play out yeah i think you're 100 right i think there are really great ideas in here that that it's not i mean all the screen movies are fun we're we're talking Mm -hmm. about just like in a ranking i think they're all good but this is just um a lower ranking for me but i i do think like this one gets so meta that it's kind of dizzying a little bit you know but like It's clunky. It's just clunky. Yeah, like, just it, is, the, it is. But I think it, Sydney's arc is great. Yeah. I think where she ends up at the end of this movie is it's like beautiful. A, a good, yeah. happy ending for Sydney. Mm-hmm. But the, the the journey of getting there is just it's not for me personally. It's not my favorite 
movie to watch out of these movies. How, I, I guess how do how do we feel about the the revelation at the end, the the reveal? I, it clunky. I think it 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 rewrites things that were already there. You know, it was it's it, clunky, but I think I like it better than the Billy Loomis's mother reveal. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I or at least even I don't know better, but I think like it was a little more interesting to me than the oh Billy Loomis's mom came back. Sure. Um I just but, hate, but I agree it is kind of it is clunky though. I hate Roman Bridger. I think he <laughs> once once the once the mask comes off, he becomes this fucking whiny crybaby. You had everything that I wanted kind of fucking mm-hmm. insaley weirdo and i just i can't stand it it's that and, killer reveal curse that continues in this movie yeah right? yeah it's just like oh man and i love i love that they have sydney be like save it motherfucker i've heard this <laughs> twice before i right. don't need to hear your shit <laughs> i really like that part like but uh, like he's just as far uh, as like motivations go like yeah like I think that if anything, okay, so if anything, he should be mad at at Lance Hendrickson because Lance Hendrickson was responsible for Sydney's mom mm-hmm. with the attack on her that really changed her whole life, really. Totally. Sure. He blames he blames Maureen for that, but he I mean, and yes, he gets his revenge on Lance Hendrickson's character, but like He's the one who should be putting all of his like anger into him. It's his fault, you know. And there's some of that Hollywood misogyny 100%. just peppered in there. Sure, you know? I, I think so. And I, I think there, there's obviously there's there is linkage to sexual assault and promiscuity after that as a way of you know because it's yeah. it's you know what I'm saying. It's very heavily hinted at that Maureen was a very promiscuous mm-hmm. woman in woodsboro and it it all ties back to hollywood party yes correct um and so it's i i do think it's weird that roman goes to her and blames her for it when he should be blaming the dude he just murdered Yeah, yeah i i mean i would say through especially through the first three movies i think it stops in four but yeah there i mean 90s you know, 90s through 2000, like huge undercurrent of just straight up slut shaming of Maureen, right? Like that's, yeah, very much that's so. like, that's why all of this is happening because Maureen couldn't keep her legs closed, yeah. right? Because a woman yeah. was sexual. The character says that, I think, in each of the three movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is crazy problematic and super fucked up. Right. Um, and, you know, a shame. It's a shame that that kind of through line has to exist. Um, yeah. Because, like, I don't really think it's necessary. Like, it's it's uh, definitely one of the least interesting parts of these movies. You know, all the things that we talk about that we love about these movies have nothing to do with that, right. you know, aspect yes. of things. It's just uh, Holly, yeah, Hollywood misogyny at play there. Um, so I totally agree with you there. And, yeah, Roman's the worst. Like, he is, he is. fucking terrible. But I will say I kind of like that. I kind of like that this piece of shit killer is just this blubbery shitty baby, you know, like yeah, okay. that he like that you don't like him because like, I will say like, you know, with 
one, like, yeah, like Billy Loomis is psychotic, but there's some, I, there's some part of me that still is intrigued by him. Sure. You know, there's something mysterious and interesting. And then obviously we all love Stu. Fucking right. <laughs> like, love so Stu. Love so it. there is, I think, something something good about having the killer be just just not interesting or attractive and just like shitty you know it's yeah. just like oh like you're just a piece of shit yeah. and you're yeah you're whiny and entitled and like a mess <laughs> like, that's fair yeah <laughs> yeah we're right on well so that's scream three scream three scream four <laughs> i have come around to really like scream four love scream four I I think I was too in the 2000s cultural like I was I was I couldn't see the forest from the trees right to appreciate <laughs> you were in four. it you were yeah. in it <laughs> now I have watched it and being like and here I am like what ten years later really it was 2011 yeah yes yeah, so uh, was- ten years later rewatching it going this movie slaps this it movie does. yes 100 percent has its finger on the pulse of what was going on and I remember it. Now, looking back, uh, I mean, they, they call it out with the opening scene with like the multiple um, cold opens that like the looping cold opens with each mm-hmm. sequel. Which that was, was so yeah, good. Just a parody of all the like, could they even say Saw 4 at one point in the movie? I'm like, yeah, we were we were in the midst of so <laughs> many, yep. like a sequel a year of doing the same thing over and over, you know? Yep. And I mean, the, the the approach to this movie was, you know, they're, they're spoofing and parodying a lot of remakes because that's all horror franchise is anymore it's just remakes to the point of like there's this there's a a speech that kirby who is the new randy in this movie gives on the phone basically answering one of the questions he's like what remake of a horror and she she nails it like reading receipts of the time period lists all the horror remakes that happened and it's a long list Uh, (laughs) talk about like oof you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um which is a great it's it's hilarious to watch and then it keeps going and you're like oh my god we needed help back then um, <laughs> yeah we made everything yeah, yeah um, i i think with this one rewatching it now kind of a similar feeling to what uh you said aaron with two when there's that scene of like these are the the 90s actors like with sarah michelle geller and stuff rewatching four i was just like I was like, this is, this is 2011. Like yeah. it just felt like Hayden Penetier and like, yep. you know, it, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I felt, I felt like I did in 2011 again. I was and just like, she was, uh, she was, she was hot in, cause uh, she's still doing heroes, right? Heroes yeah. Was huge. Heroes was huge at the time. Oh, yeah. And it was just like, yes, yeah, so many of the actors in that one uh Allison Bree had community yep. at that time, you know, it's just like it all these movies are little time capsules. They really like, are. They really they are. are. Like you who's know? hot right now or who's gonna mm-hmm. be hot in a second, you know? Um, also, I just have to say, in the end, or it's the yeah, like the final scene, the uh the outfit that um that Hayden Pennetier's character is wearing for the party. I, so I just saw a TikTok like yesterday that was like, why did the like 2010s have all of us wearing like business cash casual clothes <laughs> to the club? And I was like, it's so true. And then I saw she's wearing like a fucking little suit jacket. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, why were we wearing business casual clothes to the club? <laughs> it's so goofy. Oh, 
Oh my God. That's so true. Love the yeah. cast. Love and yeah, we're on it's great cast. She's star. Oh my we god. We love we love Kirby. Yeah. She deserved her. the world. Kirby did not <laughs> did not justice. Deserve that. Justice for Kirby. Justice he he for did Kirby. not he did not deserve to get taken out by a chump. <laughs> a whiny incel. Uh, yeah. Essentially, yes. what Charlie yes. is. Yes, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And that, like, that's a. I mean, and that's a really that scene where he is, where he reveals himself, and he's basically just. It's a Culkin boy, uh, Rory. Mm-hmm. It's Rory Culkin, right? It's Rory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he's so good when he's just like he plays that little whiny. And he's like, now you notice me. Like we've been <laughs> in school for four years, and now you decide that you're into me. Like right when I'm doing all this stuff, like right when I'm killing people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's blaming her, like yeah. <laughs> it's, and he just he he's blaming her, and it's just it's just like oh god, you're the worst. Um, Awful. Uh, I do think that uh, this is. I mean, obviously. Scream Four since the first one is easily the most violent. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. The the um the friend who gets killed early on in her bedroom. I can't Olivia. Name. Olivia's death scene is brutal. Is nuts. Yes. Nuts. That might be one of the most graphic moments in yeah the whole thing. Like it's it so brutal. So graphic. So but I mean, we blood. just came off of you know a decade of Saw movies. You know that like the tolerance of the culture right. from Scream Three to Scream Got Four high. has vastly changed. You know, yeah. so so just, it's 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 a little weird that after Kirby and Jill uh, see that. Uh, Kirby the next day just goes to a horror movie like watchathon. That's a little problematic. Like it's yeah. just like, well, you just watch your friend get butchered based off of what you're about right. to see. It's a little weird. Um, and I think I would say I would say that is something that shows up in pretty much all the movies. There is there is like uh, zero time for grief anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> There's anywhere. No, no one's grieving. Like we're just moving on to the next thing. Like Correct. There, there's, there's none of that. Uh, before we move on too far, you mentioned the Stabathon. Uh, and I just want to bring up that that looks like the most fun. It does. Fucking night. <laughs> it does. I swear to God. We're like, you know, two years into this pandemic, all I want is a goddamn barn and like cheering on all the stab movies. Like that sounds so fun. It does. That sounds so fun. Everybody was siding the lines and stuff. It sounded it it yeah, it looked like fun. Yeah. And it also I think because I had that same moment, and this also speaks to like the time capsuleness of these movies. It just that that barn party felt like parties we were going to in college, you know, it was like these, these, you know, even down to like, I I noticed this too, the difference between the parties in the nineties, like all of them were pretty much, they were all just drinking beers, right? They all had bottles of beers, but in the 2011 party, they had like hard alcohol, like the stuff we were drinking mm-hmm. basically at parties in twenty ten. Solo cups, you know. They yes, those- yes, and it was like this is a switch. This marks a switch in party culture. Like it's just simple stuff like that. That like when you've lived it, it really like makes a difference. You know, coming around to loving Scream Four is that I could like yeah, I was I didn't recognize what it was doing because I was in it. You know, so I'm like, mm-hmm. right. Outside um, of it, you have perspective, and you're like, "Holy shit!" 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, even down to the revere, because I remember one of the things I disliked was the reveal of the killer being Emma Roberts. But really? now going back, I'm like, okay, it was great because it's it like great. it's great because I, I remember they're hearing that the motivation was she just wanted to be famous, and I'm like, yes, and what's that? Why? And then do I'm you like, what? And then you look at today's <laughs> culture and you're like, Jesus, that's all. Watching it, watching it now, it completely works. It complete, it works more so now than it did back in 2011. Yeah. I think, I think that the reveal, the reveal of Jill as the kind of mastermind, a blew my mind when I first saw it because I yeah, 100% same. because, and they, they, they do very well to establish that like, Hey, this is the new Sydney. You really need to like her and like all that. So I ne I never saw it coming ever Same. from Jill and her whole thing is like, fuck that. I want to be famous. Like this bitch had her time and I'm living in her shadow because I'm related to her. I'm always just going to be like that famous girl's cousin. And I don't want that. I want to be famous and that, she has such great lines where she's like, you know, I don't need friends. I want, I need, I need fans. fans. Oh yeah. God. <laughs> or like, or like her commentary on like, you don't need to be special to be famous. You just need fucked up shit to happen to you. And it's just like, Oh my God. Like the, the lengths that people will do to like, just get some likes, you know, ex exactly. They will exploit themselves and the people around them in order to get, some retweets, bro. Like it's yeah. crazy. I mean, look at just like social media culture, social media families, like whatever's happening behind those cameras is not, is pretty gross, you know? Yes. So it's like mm -hmm. very, um, the only, then, I was just gonna say the only thing, cause I agree. Like, I think all of that held up so well and like was so smart. The only line in all of that, that I think didn't age well and like kind of pissed me off is there's one line where she's like, um, do you think anyone reads books anymore? And it like frustrated me because there's this really stupid narrative that like millennials don't read books. And there have like legit been like studies on this. We read more than the older generations by like a huge margin. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's true. like when you look at like book sales and like library usage, like our generation reads way more okay. than the previous generation. And so like, I felt like that was like a weird little like millennials don't fucking read. And I was like, actually like we're the actually, generation bitch, that we was, do. We, were we the absolutely do. And you can join Harry our Potter. book club over at yeah. anchor.fm slash HHHS slash support and fucking <laughs> prove them wrong. That's right. You know? That's right. Dude, I'm in two book clubs right now. Like, don't <laughs> fucking tell me that my generation doesn't read. Like, um, but yeah, I just, that was just like a personal little moment. I was like, so much of that aged so well, but that has been a weird false narrative that I think has sure. been running for a long time that our generation doesn't read when like, you know, I think our generation loves fantasy and loves, you know, the, the long format, like novel series and yeah um stuff like that so yeah that was just like a little sure. nitpicky moment but <laughs> and i just i love i love ebba roberts in this movie i think this is i mean this is the genesis of the crazy emma roberts that we get in like american uh, horror story american horror story scream queens. scream yeah. queens yes this is the genesis of that um you can see that this this is the role that really informed those characters that she plays and mm -hmm. like she's just 
she she's by far she's she's my favorite killer um i think her motivation is the best uh i think that she her plan is the best it's the probably the most well thought out plan sure um and the whole scene where she's basically everyone's she thinks everyone around her is dead and she's stabbing herself and she's running it herself mm-hmm. into, it's so good it's so oh my god and then the she and then, you know yes, like and she walks over and she falls right in front of sydney and she even models the way her hand is lying like she just wants to be sydney so badly mm-hmm. and the original ending the original ending of this movie was she gets carted off into a uh, ambulance and that's the end of the movie you don't know if Sydney lives. You don't know if she dies. You don't know anything. Um, and apparently, I don't know if it was. I mean, obviously, I think it had to have been one of the. It, probably Bob Weinstein because he's more. Bob Weinstein it was more involved. More involved in these yep. screen movies than Harvey was. But they needed that whole hospital sequence was a tacked on sequence. It's great. I still like the hospital sequence my mind would have been blown if they would have just ended that. What a crazy way, what a crazy way to turn this franchise. If we were going into the next movie, knowing who the killer was in the next movie, it just would have been a weird, I don't know the way, I don't know how the franchise would have gone from that. I'm, I'm curious on how it would have, how that would have figured out. There was on the same this horror queers episode that I listened to this podcast, Kevin Williamson describes because there was supposed to be a new trilogy. This was supposed to be four, yes. five, and six. Only the fourth one happened. But the five for the fifth movie, the original plan was it was going to follow Emma Roberts in college. And there's a killer on campus that knew she murdered everybody and was trying to expose her. And so Emma Roberts, what? all the kills that she she's doing the kills <laughs> to make sure the secret stays a secret. What? Um, and on the same that college, I don't know, amazing. continuity wise, I don't know how it would work because in the same script, Sydney was a professor. And so like, do they just forget this confrontation? How does that work? But oh, like, wow. that's weird. It's yeah, strange. That is weird. That is um, weird. But uh, that idea uh, sounds really fun. And the sixth was, since so this was supposed to be more, more Emma and Sydney, the sixth one was going to follow Dewey and um, Gail, uh, where Gail has gotten everything that she wanted. She's got a, this journalist, you know, the studio anchor position and killer. It's all, it would be again, meta. It's all happening on studio sets around them as they're trying to get through. But anyway, those are the original blueprints prints for the, five and six that we never got wow um, i did not know that's that super cool that's super cool yeah i do like i mean i yeah i i like i really like the ending for four um i you know i love the the clear the like Great. paddle mid moment oh, yeah. it's fabulous oh, yeah. um but don't that fuck with been... the original mm-hmm. is like one of my favorite lines from yeah, Sydney. yeah and only it's... sydney can say oh it's so good yeah that's it's super good i do love the ending but yeah the ending that you just shared. I also, I, I love a clean, but mysterious ending. Like that would have, I think been very exciting as well. It is. It was refund really also rewatching this. Cause I obviously I remember that Emma Roberts, I remember all of the killers, but I remember, and her introduction is she comes out of her house, gets into the car with her friend. Uh, I think it's Hayden and, yep. and, and then Olivia and Olivia, but before Olivia gets in the car, Hayden or Kirby says to her, Oh, please don't kill me about to like break yep. the bad news. Yep. 
is that Olivia is coming in the card too. But the first line is don't kill me. These movies are so, so like they, so they play their cards and you don't see it. Like the first. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. But uh, yeah. Let's scream one through four, everybody. Now one we're finally on to four. One through four. Now we're on to scream. Period. Yeah. Scream. It's, it's full stop. Full stop. <laughs> scream. Scream. We came back um, around. <laughs> but uh, before we do, let's let's take one more little break. Well, before we do, did we like Scream? The new Scream. Yeah. <laughs> we we yeah. liked Scream a lot. Okay, we liked it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we really great. liked it a lot. I have a lot of good things to say. <laughs> I can't wait to get into it. Uh, but you know, we don't want to spoil. So I anyone who's listening that hasn't seen it yet, I'm so excited for you to see it. If you liked one through four, I think you're gonna have a blast seeing five. I'm calling it five because it is Scream Five. Yes, it is Scream Five. <laughs> scream five. But uh, uh, but if you haven't seen it yet, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and you can come back and finish this episode once you do, uh, and join the discussion again. Uh, but in the meantime, let's take a couple minutes for ads, and then let's come back and talk about Scream Five. We're back on our Scream Marathon. We've made it to the new one. Scream just opened this last weekend. Uh, We all saw it uh, right off the bat. What do we think? Scream. I fucking loved it. I had the best time. I had like such a good time (laughs) at this movie. I was saying it it was my first time in a movie theater since pre-pandemic. I have not gone to a movie and um, it felt good to be back. Uh, you yeah. know, got the the popcorn, got the beverage and the comfy chair. And it was just like such a great experience. Movies are great, y'all. Movies are great. <laughs> and oh this God. movie in particular is great. It was so much fun. And, and I mean, it kind of a marvel that even without Wes Craven, this still feels, it still feels like a screen movie. You know what I mean? Like, yes, it's the first screen movie without Wes. RIP. We miss you. And yet it still hits that tone, which is like, oh my gosh. It hits that tone better than a lot of better movies. than a few I of the agree. sequels. Yeah. <laughs> like agree. it hits it, it hits it right on the nail. Like yeah. Um, even from I like I loved this opening scene so much. Oh, so I thought good. it was brilliant. I loved how the ghost the, the the call that she gets is almost like kind of it goes back to one again that it's it's not sinister at first it's kind of bumbling and awkward and mm-hmm. kind of endearing you know mm-hmm. kind of like oh this is so awkward i just i wanted to talk to someone else i this is silly and once it gets into elevated horror and talking about mo- yep. horror movies, yes. That, yes. With the purpose and you can feel ghost, the ghost face voice getting like i don't like this mm, i don't like nope, this. Nope. i'm i i just imagine with like his arms crossed and he's just like <laughs> couldn't be me Shouts out Baba Duke. I loved like yeah. every time Baba Duke came up. <laughs> I was like, yes, yeah, go hard for Baba Duke. I love it. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's beautiful. It was almost like different eras of horror talking to each other on the phone and it's not going well, you know, yeah. like they're yeah, very disappointed totally. and like loved the opening scene. Also, great subversion. First opening scene that she lives, Jenna yes. Ortega. Yes. That was, uh, yeah, that was huge. I like when, cause I, yeah, you know, like everyone else thought she was a goner. Um, and then you find out pretty quickly that that is not the case. And I was like, oh shit, 
oh shit mm-hmm. <laughs> like we have someone who like lives to tell the tale this is right crazy. absolutely again playing the cards i didn't think about it watching it through i was by the way before we get into talking about the killer which i'm about to i was so fucking sure it was going to be stew i thought stew was coming back i like i was reading i was everywhere in my head it was just it was happening i was like as a pipe dream i'm like stew's coming back (laughs) it was happening in the opening scene where the question the trick question was like no you forgot stew it wasn't just billy it was stew too and there was all these little things throughout the movie that were just like everyone's only talking about billy no one's talking about stew and i was like this is happening this is like this is i and of course it didn't happen um but like my head was going wild especially when like Billy does come back as an act, a literal ghost face, you know? And then mm-hmm. I was thinking like last time we saw Stu was he had a TV fall on his face. So what would his like literal ghost face too look yeah. like? Like an actual yeah. deformed face. And I'm like, this is just my imagination going nuts watching this movie because once they brought in Billy as a ghost, I'm like, there's no way Stu doesn't come back now. Like there's no way they didn't do it. I, but. yeah. Cause I loved, I fucking loved the ghost of daddy Billy Loomis. <laughs> like, I loved it. I was like, this he literally gasped. Great. Like when he <laughs> showed up, I was like, <gasps> Like no. that was one thing I was positive he would not, and he did. You know, yes. that was... <laughs> yeah, totally. Yes, I totally. thought if 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 any of them were gonna come back, it would have been Lillard. Like I mm-hmm. thought for I had it never even crossed my mind that Skeet Ulrich would come back and do something for this movie. Yeah, Which was, me I mean, either. Me either. I did not think that was in the realm of possibility, but oh god, it was great. I was I mean, that was totally me just like confirmation bias was all it was you know just like everything mm-hmm. i was seeing was like that confirms it like even for like <laughs> months ago he was in an interview matthew lillard was like uh Stu's totally alive i want to be in the new movie and i'm like this is brilliant marketing you were you were calling the cards <laughs> uh thinking that like of course he's not in the movie because he says he wants to be in the movie but what if he is in the movie and this is how he's saying it? you know like i was <laughs> I, had, I you were love- going deep i was like charlie deep. day and yep, you know with everything <laughs> it's always sunny yeah. like i love Attached to this narrative you are it's fabulous i was so convinced um <laughs> even more so and we didn't even talk talk about three but Stu was going to come back in three also as a killer uh from jail he was coordinating it from jail but uh that didn't happen didn't so happen. i was like they would come back and do it in this one it didn't happen anyway once i got over that disappointment that we didn't get Stu, which i was to the last credits i was like he could still come back he could have been the one <laughs> He could have been the one at the Reddit board, you know, the, <laughs> coordinating with those two, you know. Um, oh man, I love that. So so hopeful. <laughs> so hopeful. But uh, um, the killers we did get again played the cards right away when uh, Jack Quaid comes into the hospital room, his girlfriend's sister with Jenna Ortega, and the first thing he says to her is "Sorry to intrude," which was what he just did in the opening scene. <laughs> Which oh, is, that's good. That's wow. good. I didn't that's, even catch that. That's that good. Fucking genius. <laughs> yeah, I think. I mean, in terms of this being, you know, it's not billed as Scream Five. It's just Scream, mm-hmm. and it's very intentionally just Scream. Yeah. Um, and I think you can see that in so many places. But one of the main ones is in the killers because the dynamic of the two killers is big. Billy Loomis and Stu energy you know you have the one dark twisted kind of the whole time you're like this bitch you know and then the other one who is like comedic relief really throughout the entire movie but and brilliantly 
was from a different town at the beginning. So he's yeah. the one that you're like, it's not him because we saw he be wasn't him. even right. there. You know, yeah. like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. totally. So I feel like, yeah, of all the movies, like they, the two killers in this one do mirror our original killers in a lot of in a lot of ways for sure i think this movie is good because it's i think it does what scream 4 tries to do but it doesn't quite get there which makes really fleshes out your your new cast um i think you get you get some of that with scream 4 the younger cast but you don't quite get there like you get there with these guys um i think by the time these kids start dying you know you know these kids more like you know what roles they play in their dynamic it's basically mirrors one in that in in that Mm -hmm, you know everybody's role in their in their friend group you know that some of them don't there's a couple of them that don't get along they're more frenemies and stuff it's just it's you can't so when they start dropping i'm just like oh man like really no, I don't like I, I cared more essentially uh, yeah, than I did totally. with uh, with four. Like when I mean, Olivia's death is great, but I don't give a fuck about Olivia. Like, who cares? Like, yeah, she's, she, sure. She, she was barely established. for Correct. sure. Not like these characters. Um, so I that's I'm, I'm really glad that we got that. And then also just I mean, the fact that not quite all of them, but most of them you know, are, are brilliantly tied into the legacy, right? Like yeah. you have the, the sheriff, what's her face's son. Judy is one Hicks. Of them. Hicks. Yeah. From, Judy, yep, from four. Yep. Yep. Judy from four. Her son is one of the kids in the friend group. And then we have the uh, niece and nephew. The twins. Uh, the twins. Yes. Um, yeah. Martha. What's, Martha. Martha. Yep. There you go. So yeah, Martha's in it, which she only ever she what showed up in three, two. Nope, she was in. Showed three. up in three, three to bring a videotape of Randy yeah. to give you this yeah. rule, yeah. and then and then just goes, "Okay, bye, bye," <laughs> yeah. and then walks but, out of the movie. Goddamn three, I, like. <laughs> I love that she was in five though, as the mother of yeah. the twins, and so yeah, they're Randy's niece and nephew, which is fabulous. Loved that connection. And so you have this very deep, like, lineage being, like, displayed. Yes. Like, yep. this is how, you know, these people are all attached to the original story. And that, yeah, gets you even more invested as someone who who cares deeply about the first movie. Yes. Which is what the whole movie is about. Oh, oh. man. It's so it's, good. It's brilliant. and it, it's, it's so good. The, it gets into you know the toxic fandom at the end, but it's it does it without even saying it's doing it. Especially with one part of the movie, which is the most one of the most memorable parts for me is with Vince when the the the, the fucking rough dude that turned out to be a nephew of Stu. Stu, yep, um, Stu's nephew. Stu's nephew. But like it was just a scene of him coming out to the car and the car's on and it's playing red, right, red, hand. right hand. Yeah. And you're like, oh, it's here. So good. And his crime in the movie is turning the song off right before yep. it happens. Oh. And like, I had a feeling of like the song's not over. And then he comes in and like the, the kill happens. And it was like, Oh my God, like this movie is 
knows exactly what it's doing. Of We have a character that's pissing fans off in the theater by turning yes. off the song that happens in all the movies. That's so you know? good. And then giving them exactly what they want by killing the person that turned off the movie. You know what I mean? They're like, it's kind of brilliant in how it was oh, doing it. It is. Oh, and I will... 100%. I, I, I know I said that Scream, up until then, Scream 4 was the most violent one. This one goes for it. Like... In these Scream movies, you get a stab and then like a slash and then people are dead. Yeah. This and, movie and arms wait like wailing yeah, around yeah. a lot of the time. This movie <laughs> really, really dictates how hard it is to stab somebody to death. Because they go for it. They stab and stab and stab and stab. And it's gotta kind of be that way, right? And it's not in just like the torso area and you're dead. It's like from the opening scene, it's through her hand, through poor Wes gets it like, you know, or like in the neck. It's gross and mean and it hurts, you know? It is. It's mean. And especially, uh, you know, uh, Dewey's Dewey's scene when when we... I cried. I I got a little emotional bringing Dewey up right now. It's it's tough, man. I cried. I cried I know he made it for five movies, but... I didn't want yeah. him to go, you know? I, like, I know. And I definitely, um, yeah, in, in this one, compared to all of them, I just, I actively winced more. I had more bodily reactions to the kills, which just kind of like. And Dewey goes beats. violently. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. by the end of like the scene, bisected, he, is in a, like, he is in a pool of his own self. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. It's wild. And I really loved, and this is me personally, I really loved that we had a set piece in a hospital. It has to be an homage to Halloween 2. And Halloween 2 is Halloween my favorite Halloween. So I was just, wow. it just made my, just made my little Halloween 2 heart loving happy just to see a set, a scream set piece happen in a hospital. I was just oh, like, yeah. oh, yes, they get me. I did have a little bit of a moment of like, like, why is there fucking nobody else in this hospital? <laughs> right. like, where are the doctors? Yeah. Like, where they're gone. The there's nurses? one. There's one <laughs> security. They left one security guard there. Yeah. <laughs> barely like, sentient. So Dewey, we lost Dewey. R.I.P. Dewey. R.I.P. Dewey. Man, I love Dewey. I love him all the movies. I just rewatched all four of them, and I'm like, I love Dewey so much. And I, oh, and a yeah. lot of it is the Dewey theme that comes in and plays when he comes on. You know, it's that little guitar. And they played it again when Dewey arrives at the house uh, to help out in the investigation. And he decides he's going to come in and actually save the day again. Um, and the Dewey theme is playing again. And I'm like, I gotta love this fucking dork. You know? I know. <laughs> he's just he's just such a, like, yeah, from the first one, he's such a comfort. Like, yeah. I f- still, I find David Arquette comforting. Like, because of Dewey. That's the only reason. Why else yeah. would I ever find David Arquette comforting? <laughs> like Dewey like and so yeah that one it fucking hurt it fucking hurt and um that was tough that was a tough one also though I I wanted to talk about this honestly we kind of could have talked about it in any of the movies but just in general the narrative the narrative of Dewey and Gail and is so brilliant (laughs) because they can never work it out it's all but also it's be, because of the the meta-ness that that is the story of David Arquette and Courtney Cox. Like, right. like that the, 
the love story of David Arquette and Courtney Cox literally plays out in these movies. Like the same way every time they're yeah. coming back together, they're coming back together, they're yeah. coming back together. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, and I, I had a moment with that too. Like when, when they came back together um, in, in this one where I, I, my heart kind of hurt for a second. Cause like they're, they're divorced. They've been divorced right. for a while now. And I was like, Oh man, they're like having to like act this out right now. And they're like divorced in real life. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, like that's, I don't know. That's an interesting it's just an interesting thing to have to like live and perform for people, yeah. you know? Totally. Um, so yeah, I, I have just like a lot of, yeah, respect for that, that relationship arc throughout the entire, the entire franchise for sure. I loved uh ghost faces back. Don't come. Hope you're doing well. Smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> Smiley face. Yeah. Oh, he shouldn't have put the smiley face. <laughs> oh, so good. Yeah. So Dewey. I mean, just yeah. him sitting in his his favorite show of the day is watching her. Like, oh, so mm-hmm. sad. Oh, mm-hmm. fucking gets me. Um, <laughs> so we're all heartbroken over Dewey. It's so sad. Yeah. I didn't realize how much she meant to me until going through these horror these movies again this last week, rewatching them. I'm like, fucking Dewey. You know, like you don't uh, know what you got till it's gone. <laughs> Correct. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right. But Dewey wasn't the only one that came back. We also had, no. you know, Nev Campbell and Courtney Cox both came back. I liked Courtney Cox in this one a lot. I, I did thought, too. I thought her, she was great. I thought, I mean, I loved down to like the last scene where they're approaching the house and Amber comes out and like, you got to help. Blah, blah, blah. And what Courtney do you think? Cox is like, I don't buy it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love yeah. it. Right. And I love it. It's so, it's so good because it's earned. Like, mm-hmm. I think, I think that those, the lines that Sydney and both Gail have can, could be so cringy if, if not for the fact that you know that these two, and these two have had a contentious relationship the entire oh, yeah. series. And now at four or at five, they're at this point where they respect the shit out of each other. Yeah. And the the one-liners that they say to each other, it's all completely earned. I, I you just can't you can't get that with anybody else. Hundred percent. Without that history, I mean, down to just like little things, like uh, like Sam's character at one point was like shit talking uh, Sydney as Sydney was trying to help her at the hospital, and Courtney Cox comes and like backs her up and like defends mm-hmm. her. I'm like what a gr- like watching these movies, you know that like these two were enemies at the first you know and and i just love that they like they're yes this is they this is tough for them because it's you know reopening up old wounds and stuff and especially after losing they lose dewey in this one it's just they i want to watch their fucking i want to watch their show it's like (laughs) it's like sydney and gail like ghost face hunters like they're just (laughs) you know what i'm saying it is i i like I felt a sense, um, yeah, especially in that like hospital scene with Sydney and Gail and just their place in this movie that it was really a lot more of um, not necessarily like it didn't, at least to me, it didn't feel like it was like Sydney and Gail doing this because it's their story. Right. It no, felt no, a lot more like support. sacrificing for the younger generation. Right. It was 100%. like, we I mean, are. She- 
we are she doing says, this for y- the like, younger don't generation. Don't run from this because it's just going to follow you. Mm-hmm. Like she could have stayed. She could have stayed with her husband. She's married to Kincaid, which is very strange to me. She has a, she has a I don't know if you guys caught that, but she says Mark. Mark, uh, oh. when when uh, yeah. uh, uh, Gail is asking how how are the kids and she goes, they're fine. Mark's doing fine. She ends up with Kincaid from three, which is very weird to me. I mean, there is that cute scene at the end of three where they all watch a movie together. <laughs> leaves the door open. And he's like, she's we're going to watch a movie, you know? Sydney. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. <laughs> what, and she's like, what movie is it? And he's like, you'll just have to find out. <laughs> it's weird. It's, I kind it's of, so strange. I kind of love that they get, I kind of love, I didn't catch that in five. But now that you've informed me, I'm kind of into it. Because why not? Like, you know, why? why like. Kincaid was kind of a throwaway character, but like that was a cute little moment. And I hope they're very happy together. <laughs> but like, what a great thing for Sydney that she is good. She's happy. Yeah, like, she's good. got a family. She's got kids. When they call, she's not like, you know, I mean, she's found a way to, to live and deal live, with it, yes. you know, yeah. uh, in a very healthy way. Um, and to the point where like, even like Dewey and the call is like, don't come. And she's like, I wasn't going to. <laughs> like, <Yeah. there's- laughs> No way I'm coming back to Woodsboro, you know? Yeah. And then it's, it but, takes his death for her to show up and, and yeah, it's sacrifice in a way of like, no, right. I got to look out for him. Like, and these characters, these two characters are very aware that this isn't their story anymore. Yeah. Yes. They're, yes, they have connections to it because of who's involved, but Sydney, I mean, Sydney very much knows like, Hey, this is not, I have my life now. It's over here. I'm coming back here. Because yes, my friend died, but like also like if I can drop some knowledge on you, like mm-hmm. I'm going, you're going to listen to me. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And then that for us, for the viewer, it solidifies this deep just feeling of the passage of time, mm-hmm. which I think, I think is something that like, Brian, you know, I'm really critical with like reboots and shit. I'm pretty sure. over a, like a lot of rebooting that's been happening for a long yeah. time. And I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty over it. And like, so if you're going to do it, you have to do it very well. And I think an element of doing it well is you, you have to acknowledge and also express passage of time in a way that is like visceral like the audience needs to feel that visceral nostalgia and then also that visceral feeling of i'm getting older and these characters are getting older like you have to feel that that's the only way to make a valuable i think like reboot in my opinion or or one that's gonna make the original fans feel connected to it anyways and yeah. I feel like that is that whole thing there. Yeah. That moment of us having to really contend with, yeah, it isn't their story anymore. It's moving into a new story, which also speaks to the viewer because we're aging and we, you know, like, so it, it's going to be a new generation story. Right. And yeah. it's like, it's and important. The, <laughs> right. And that's the whole motive at the end with the killer is not being able to, right. you know, exactly. move on. It's exactly. Oh, God. oh, God. Exactly. And, and yeah, and that, and I think that that's such a deeply important thing as a human being to contend with, right, is aging. Like that's everybody's 
biggest fear and like it's you know it's it's just a i don't want to do it it sucks it's it's just a hard thing i've decided i won't it's just a hard (laughs) thing to really understand and contend with and it and it never it never stops that's all life is right it's it is moving is getting older right and yeah so it makes so much sense that the part of the motive of the killer of this psychopath would be that they're, they're stuck in this place and they don't know how to make their way out of it. They don't know how to health healthfully move forward. Sure. All yeah. of, I just, I, yeah. Brilliant. Fucking brilliant, brilliant movie. Brilliant <laughs> goddamn movie. If I had to have a critique though, Amber, I don't buy it. Yeah. I don't know. Like there's not enough there for me other than I live in Stu's house. You yeah. know, that, yeah. like, <laughs> with you because and that is the i one... live in Stu's house right. i am killer now therefore <laughs> i kill now like, yeah. there's no there's nothing else there there's no ingredient that i can point to and then yeah. like yeah I live in Stu's house i'm like okay i guess that's your <laughs> motivate you know like that's it she's that's her in like jack quaid gives a pretty great you know yeah, performance yeah, and sells totally. it it's um i i mean i loved amber's the surprise of amber and then like the shot and she's like welcome to act three i thought that was a wonderful moment of yeah like, that was great whoa okay here we go i truly didn't pops off you. quickly yeah you were like you were the one person i was not looking at you know yep. like so yeah looking back i'm still like i'm not sold on amber being it so anyway. i'll agree i'll agree with that that's a i think that is a completely fair criticism um yeah she is she's the weaker link of the two for sure I think they could have gotten there sure. with her. We just needed we just need a bit more mm-hmm. a bit more of something from the backstory, a bit yeah. more. Because yeah, like there were I mean, there were moments where I, I thought it could be her just because she was kind of like a creepy, possessive bitch at times, you know. So it was like, um, but and that, like I said, that harkens back to Billy Loomis, right? Like that sure. is that is modeled after Billy Loomis 100%. But I agree. The obviously the backstory of Billy Loomis is way better than the backstory of Amber. <laughs> like Billy Loomis is like you're the reason I don't have a mom. Amber is I live in Stu's house. <laughs> I live in Stu's house. <laughs> Therefore everyone's got to die. <laughs> um but but while we're talking about Amber, the fucking stove moment Ooh, baby. Brilliant. I was Great. like, Climate. I like got, I got so excited. I was like, yes, like this is so good. We had someone but, in our theater cheering, going the hand sanitizer. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Being the like. <laughs> Great. It was great. And just oh, because again, with uh, the one line, the one liners where the back and forth that Gail and Sydney have, where she's just like, you want to handle this one? She's like, yep. And then bam. Mm-hmm. I just think I think that they're they're at a point now where yeah they can be supporting characters they don't have to be yeah. they don't have to be the stars anymore yep and I think that uh, again I think they tried to do that with four but it just didn't work he still wanted them to be the stars obviously yeah but in this one I mean if these movies go on which I mean I it's think they making, are. That's yeah the talks right now I honestly. I don't need Gail or Sydney in the next going forward. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, they played their, they, yeah, they made a very compelling case they didn't need them. You know, I mean, yeah, Sydney exactly. comes in the 11th hour of the movie yes. anyway. Yep. We, we we had a whole movie before she even got there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, if anything, maybe a very smart little cameo or sure. something. But yeah, I agree. I don't know. They can be the Randys, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would be totally cool with that. No, I, I feel that. I feel that. So yeah, in that, yeah, that's the, you know, a huge, I think theme of the film is, is basically passing of the torch kind of, of this, uh, fucking nightmare. (laughs) I even thought Jack Quaid reminded me of Stu. I, I can't tell you how positive I was that it was Stu and father or Stu and son, you know, and Jack Quaid's got the same kind of hair. In the hospital moment when when the ghost face gets gunned down and Stu's or not Stu, I keep saying Stu because I want Stu to be in this fucking you're, movie. You're so committed to this. So needs it. Needs Jack it. Quaid is on the ground looking at the ghost face, like, oh shit, it's shot. Like I was like, you're one of them. You're because mm-hmm. you like there's something in your reaction to the other ghost face getting shot that isn't like relief. It's like what oh, you know, assessing the situation, you know? So I was I was pretty convinced it was Jack. I just didn't understand how. Yeah. Um, yeah. Should... Honestly, I, yeah. Of everyone, the two killers, I think, were the ones I were like, I was thinking it was either both of them or one of them. Like, those yeah. were the two I kept going to just because, like I said, like, there, I think there was a lot more reasons to um, count other people out than even Amber. So that's yeah. why I kind of would keep kind of coming back to her. But yeah, with, um, uh what what was his character's name i keep calling him jack quaid yeah (laughs) he's great he's in the boys he's a great actor richie richie Richie. i had a lot of moments though with richie where i was like uh he towed that line in a really nice way though like he he threw a lot of red herrings in his performance at me that i was like i'm not sure anymore you know yeah he did he like yeah it was a constant kind of back and forth i was like maybe not maybe for sure I was leaning towards more of Chad and Mindy, uh, just because I liked them so much. <laughs> I like and I was too. like, I like these two way too much. There's yeah. gotta be something to this. So I was leaning towards those two. Yeah, they but, were they're they're fabulous. Like yeah, they loved, were definitely favorites. I love Chad's moment like on the couch when he's making out and and they're like, Do you wanna go upstairs? And he's like, I'm <laughs> like, not hundred percent sure. <laughs> you know, they're not you're the kill. And then she like bums off. She bums off, and he's like, "Valid response." Yeah, (laughs) that's fair. But I live another day, Uh, so (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I loved this cast. This was great. Wonderfully picked. Um, And I love the like the when Richie and uh, Mindy have that moment where he's like, "I'm going downstairs. I'll be right back." And then they were like, "She's like, ah," and he's Uh, like, "Ah." This was, I, like, I can't tell you, I keep saying it, but when he said it, I'm like, that's exactly what Stu did. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, I'm, I, I'm so sorry for you. you I, I am, you I was going betrayed. out of your like, mind. Confirmation bias in its purest form was me watching that fucking movie. You know, mm-hmm. like I was, but anyway, Honestly, maybe he'll come back. And, it would have like, they've never confirmed his death. I'm just saying. Yeah. They've, and also like the reason why is because like, they're always with the the head. You got to go for the head. And yes, he got yes he got a TV dropped on his head, but it wasn't a bullet. It was not a bullet, a bullet in the head. So, it's so true. And if fucking Billy can come back as a ghost, 
Like, <laughs> I'm looking. Fucking- Okay, one of my fucking get your creative pants and figure it out. Like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, do <laughs> I? I oh, do. God. I do want to give even a little more time to Ghost Daddy Loomis because Daddy. <laughs> okay, so the last time we see him is right before Sam pretty much like saves the day, and I I don't he was re- you know reflected in something because the only time we see the ghost yeah. is in reflection. It's a, like a like a car window, right? Yeah, something. Um, and he like gives her a like at a girl kind of. Look. See my hat from I, one legend to the next, and That's it was one just thing. so goofy. <laughs> I wanted him to not be there when she looked at that, like at that part. Yeah, like you know yeah. what I'm saying, like uh, that he's gone and like she's exercised daddy demon and mm-hmm. like it's fine now but like it's he does really do like a <laughs> like, like a like a glasses down big old wink wink like, yep he really does you nailed it girl <laughs> and, and then it becomes you this go. like my dad's proud of me moment yeah it's, it's a little <laughs> strange because it's like bro. this guy's horrible and now we're like oh she's got his approval <laughs> Yeah, no, I love it purely from from a place of like absurdity. Like it was just so absurd, but I was like there for it. I was like, yeah, yeah, I was in. I'm in. I'm like, yes, (laughs) I'm I'm right there nodding with them. We got it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just happy to see you, man. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just happy to see you, man. We're going to face turn Billy. Let's do it. Gosh. I'm just happy to see you, man. <laughs> well, I'm I'm stoked. I think I'm gonna try to see this again sometime this week. Yeah, so I too. think I, I think I am too. Just because to pick out. I wanna I wanna look for it. I wanna see yeah. if they're all I wanna see if it's there. I wanna see if there's more amber breadcrumbs that I just I don't know, did not see. <laughs> you know, like I mean there was that nice moment in the basement with her and Jasmine going back and forth like I'm the killer. Oh, like, like yeah. no, I'm the killer. No, like I know you're not because I like yeah. and I was watching this going, neither of you are, and this is just <laughs> red herring, you know? Yeah. But alas. Yeah, it was, alas. it's what a movie. Great movie. Great movie. This franchise is alive and well. Um, and it's fucking five movies and they're all good. Like yeah. sure, yeah. Exactly. That was an I was having a conversation with a friend of mine before I saw the fifth one and I said something about like the new scream or whatever. And they were like, aren't all of those like good. And I was like, yeah, yes. like they are like, they're all like as far some, as some a little better than others, but yes, for yep. sure. But like, you know, along the lines of like horror movie sequels and think like they're all pretty quality like they're all and i enjoyed watching every single one of them right there are things to love in all of them yeah 100 um so we wanted to wrap up this episode by each of us giving our a rating essentially rate them favorite to least favorite yeah i'm going purely off like really just like raw enjoyment like which like how much i loved watching to least loved watching one one is mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. five okay four three two okay, okay. my All right. i'm i'm like right there with you i think i'm one i think i'm five and then four but i'm reversed i'm two then three 
I'm with Brian on this. Yeah, <laughs> I had a list. feeling you would be. <laughs> yep. I, I, like I said, it's, um, I totally agree with all of pretty much all of your criticisms of three. I just enjoyed watching it more than two. Sure. sure. Like, um, I liked, I liked the, the dual action of the, the actors and the people playing them that like made it very fun to watch in my opinion, mm-hmm. but, but they're kind of neck and neck two and two and three for me. Sure. And I, again, I, I have problems with three, but I, I think Sydney has great moments in three and mm-hmm. they're moments to love. So for sure. Sydney, Sydney Prescott, man. She's, she's long live, long live Sydney Prescott. Well, this is our giant big jumbo scream episode. Thanks everybody. Thank you, Aaron. We did for it. Joining us. We did it. This was yeah, fun. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me on. I, I love this series and I was really honored that you guys would ask me to be on this episode. So I appreciate I think these it. are fun to do fri- franchise discussions. I think we should do Aaron. You and I have talked about doing a Halloween episode sometime, oh. but I think that'd be fun doing like all the Halloween movies, maybe in addition, it, like leading up to Halloween ends this later this year. Yeah. That could oh, be a fun. Yeah. I really like doing, yeah, these like French franchise episodes because I end up watching like all of the movies or a lot of the movies like back to back to back, which is not something I do super often. And so you get, you just see more that way. You know, like I said, with this one, I, I was able to see the like knife scene in the beginning where they like pulled out the knife and dropped it back in, in the kitchen in almost every single one. I think Mm -hmm. the only one that doesn't have that is two because the opening scene is in a movie theater. But like, I I don't know that I would have caught that had I not been watching all the movies in a row, you know, and it's a completely different experience. Yeah. With franchises to like, just watch them all back to back than like just sporadically over time. And yeah, it's fun. I had fun. It's been a good week. Great. It's a really great week. So maybe Corey, you'll go watch all the Halloween movies then this year. When you, uh, yeah, yeah, I got to get on that. <laughs> have you seen? Have you seen them? You've seen them, not right? all, not all of them. Okay, yeah, I've seen, I've seen some of them. There's some bangers in there. Mm-hmm. There's some great ones in there. Some bang- there's some really not good ones in there. <laughs> Which I'm glad we're here because I forgot to mention this in my How Spooky Was Your Week. But closing out, I watched the extended cut of Halloween Kills this week that came uh, out, and uh, it's- I have problems with that movie. I me too. That movie is a uh, weird is a weird movie, a and I watched the extended movie. cut, and the extended cut is definitively better. It is. It is better. Did you watch it too? The extended? Yes, I have to say, yeah, I, yeah, it is better. It, it is. is it is a. Uh, it's not as angry and fast. It's yeah. sad. It's it's very sad, you know. <laughs> but I think it works better. I think like as a movie, as like a successful viewing of like trauma and the thing it's going for and mob mentality and everything. I'm like, this is this works better. It's not as crowd pleasing, yeah. but it works. Better. Yeah, it does. It does work better. Um, yeah, it's it makes me sad that. Uh, it's a, it gives a confirmation of a certain character that I love in this new timeline. Uh, but it does, yeah, uh, it's, uh, yeah. Oof, it's a better be, ending. It know, is a better that's... ending. I, I will 100% agree with you. It is a better ending. Um, but yeah, the movie has issues. <laughs> it's, well, Corey, when you watch them all, you, we can, we can all chat about it. Yay. Uh, but um, that'll be, that'll be another time. Thank you all for joining us for Scream. Uh, They don't get better than Scream. (laughs) (laughs) They sure don't.
Pure you words have never been bank. spoken. Take that to the bank and smoke it. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you for our supporters for enjoying Halloween and spooky and horror all the year around. If you want to join the book club, it's anchor.fm slash HHHS slash support. You can subscribe at any level and just send us an email saying, let's get in there and you can hang out with us reading books. We can talk books because our generation reads. We read. All right. (laughs) You got to prove them wrong. They're out there saying you don't read. (laughs) What do you do about it? You're going to let them clown you like that? (laughs) They're clowning you out there. Choice is yours, you know? (laughs) What kind of millennial do you want to (laughs) be? All right. Great episode. Great talk. (laughs) Thank you, everyone. Love y'all. And uh, catch you next time. Bye.